0: Welcome to The Dragon and the Stoic, the podcast where a writer and a composer sit down to share insights from the creative industry, life of freelance, and artistic expression. Each episode is a container in which we explore craftsmanship, relationships, processes, and how to live a life with the courage to create. Finally, we will end each episode with a moment integrating the topics discussed in a curated, bespoke experience. What that is, you'll just have to find out. But I guess it's the result of what happens if you put a wordsmith together with a composer. Welcome to the first episode of 2024. Unfold.
1: Well, all right, here we go. The first episode of The Dragon and the Stoic. Warm welcome.
0: Yeah, welcome to everyone listening. Uh, It feels a little bit daunting for us, but also hugely exciting to share with the world um, some of the things that we find important or things that we think are helpful to us in our sort of daily lives.
1: Yeah, but maybe we should start with giving a bit of context of what is that importance? (laughs) Why do we like talking about the things that we're going to talk about
0: on this podcast? Yeah, I guess a good starting point is who who the hell we are.
1: Yeah, good idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to start?
1: Um, sure. I mean, I think it's a bit a uh, uh, little bit awkward and complex on like how how do you introduce yourself? But I guess I'll I can start with like the the most um, the lowest hanging fruit, which is kind of like work experience and so on. So I I've had a really. Um, how to say not not a straight road to where I ended up, which to me just gives more, it makes more sense in terms of why I ended up where I did. But when I was growing up, I didn't know that I was like going to become a brand strategist. And I had no idea I could or wanted to write poetry. I had no idea that like, intense long stories were living inside of me so I wasn't kind of this person who always knew I was going to become an artist or um, a creative of any sort Um, but I studied at Hyper Island which was just a fabulous experience I mean I have a lot to say about that school and it's definitely not for everyone but it is what you make it to be so you yourself have a complete ownership of Um, yeah, the experience that you want out of um, attending that school Um, and from there I had the incredible luck of landing an agency job um, at Snask in Stockholm Um, and like Snask is quite known within our industry Um, and I just couldn't believe it Uh, I got headhunted, it's such a disgusting word but um, yeah, I got got um, asked about coming into an interview for very strange reasons. And I can give that little anecdote at a, at a later time, but it involved a drunken fight at a bar. So um, I got asked to come in and then I spent the last five years um, kind of being raised within the walls of SNASK. And I have so much uh, experience and like things that I... I was raised by them, you know, It's the, it definitely made me who I am. And then I became a little rebellious teenager and it was time for me to live. So <laughs> here I am kind of like taking the my first steps into the world as a full grown adult, maybe. It was an incredible school, I would say, um, where I learned a lot. But it also, yeah, set me up with a mindset of tackling where I am right now. And I think as this uh, podcast evolves, um, we'll touch upon specifics in terms of experience um, with different roles and different kinds of clients and so on. But I think no matter what um, I've taken on before, I've always been driven to understand the world and hopefully make it more beautiful. Um, And I think it shows in all those crooked roads that um, led me to this point where I've run a development organization in West Africa when I was pretty young with quite an activist approach to life, um, to teaching at universities, um, that without a university degree. <laughs> um, it's all helped shape me to the creative I am today. And so many mistakes along the way, obviously. Um, I've been a complete rookie and slowly built like a solid idea about who I am and what I'm about. At least up until this point, I'm sure it's going to change many times. And not all has been pretty either. Um, even though maybe it looks it from the outside. For example, I've held a TEDx talk, which uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I regret it, but I definitely want to give another TEDx talk. That's going to be the topic of why I want to do another TEDx talk. Because, yeah, at that time in life, um, I would just like a little rerun. But more about that, maybe in a in a different. Yeah, I mean, episode.
0: I think on that there's something really. Um, inter- you know, it's like a place in time, and it's documented, and it's always there on the internet, isn't it? And yeah. it was very much a representation of who you were then, and what and what you were experiencing then. Yeah. And I think the sort of permanence of it makes it feel potentially have more like you know negative emotions associated with it. Mm. I think, but I think what you said in that talk was incredible, and is still extremely powerful now. So people should definitely
1: No, this is the thing i always get like sweaty hands like it happens that people say like oh i googled you and um yeah i saw your and i'm always like oh gosh this is okay yeah thanks (laughs) but but yeah i haven't seen that for for years now but i i do agree with the main message it's just very interesting that i think I was, I was so young and I was speaking from perhaps a less regulated um, place where I haven't fully landed a couple of things. Um, but yeah, definitely more about that in a different episode. Now why won't we stop talking about me and uh, hear a little bit about you?
0: Yes, so um, I'm Joseph and I'm a composer and sound designer. And I think it was interesting hearing how... Yeah, I guess we're quite an interesting duo in that I very much had an idea of what I wanted to do very early on. And I I remember sort of being around sixteen and seventeen and, and having this you know, I'd always, I had this real interest in music and it was whether I was gonna pursue that or whether I was gonna do something I mean, I think philosophy, interestingly, was my other sort of surprise, surprise. university <laughs> um <laughs> Consideration, which i think i would have loved that actually yeah. um but i chose to do music so i kind of went through the musical education system classical degree and um and then after that i just yeah i was i was very sort of i just wanted to to do anything in music and and had an opportunity to do some work experience at a studio in soho and i kind of been in soho ever since really um up until last summer and very much how it how it works in London for those that don't know in the kind of music and sound um, particularly for commercials is there's this kind of centralized hub which is kind of the Soho and Oxford Street area and then there's it's definitely changing you know there's more kind of out east now and um, it's not like what it what it was when I started out and um, but that was kind of the place where all the studios were. So you got to know everyone else who's working at other studios and it's kind of this strange sort of yeah pocket of the world where everyone kind of knows each other but it feels quite sort of insular in a way and these things that you're um, working on are are kind of go out into the world but then you're still in this small little bit of land where all this... um, Yeah,
1: sounds like a breeding ground. (laughs) (laughs) breeding ground of commercial musicians.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But um, but that was really yeah I, I cut my teeth by doing that and my most previous uh, job was with a great company and I think it was it was a really hard decision to to take the leap you know I was a creative director there and um, there was almost it was hard to find reasons you know often when people go freelance and I think this can yeah, this can be the case that they have such a stressful environment, or their employer is unfair, mm. that they're almost forced into it, so that they're kind of not their boundaries aren't yeah, they being don't be trampled gonna... on all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think for me, it was that wasn't really a case. It was just more I had this kind of this little glimmer of like of of light inside me that said I want to do this on my own, mm. and I want to. Go out into the world and, and see what happens and make my own mistakes and and um, successes and um.
1: yeah but if if I look at where where you were and like the the position you were at and the projects that you were uh, coming to like I think there's so much gratitude um, to the people you've worked with I, I was also in awe about how loving you, you've always spoken about um, this little family almost like you were there for quite a while and um, but I just think within any creative, when you come to a place where the boundaries set by other people are just restraining and becomes a friction that isn't necessarily good for the process, it is, it's time. It was time for you because mm. you're brilliant. <laughs> there weren't many more awards you could have won being in an agency. Um, so you, you kind of, you had ticked off all the boxes and you had the experience and yeah, it was time for you, even though it was scary.
0: It was scary, and um, but as you say, I'm so grateful for all of those opportunities I got whilst I was at that company and previous to that because um, being employed and having that container around and structure to your life is just such an incredible way to learn and just to get the hours in doing doing the craft, really, because, um, you know, there's like a, a... beautiful studio there for you to work in and if you want to you can put in all the hours at the weekends you can do the evenings you can you can sort of do put into it as much as you are willing to and you've got all the kind of resources available to you to get you to get you going and I think I'm in huge admiration of people who kind of come straight out of school and are straight away doing the freelance thing because that to me is like they're they're doing all of that as well as trying to run a business and you know make sure them they're, they're making enough to feed themselves and all all these kind of things at the same time so
1: but i think i can also sense that there is a bit of a there is a bit of an experience gap um it's kind of like these two different um, ways of working and being and existing and i've during my period at Snasken, and, and as an um, account director I employed so many different people Not long term employment but what do you say I hired them mm. so different types of freelancers put together different teams of different sizes it doesn't matter if it was a, a small project or if it was a huge project like we always had to kind of tailor the teams depending on the skills needed and um, yeah, the other requirements to achieve um, the, the creative height that we wanted and I, I feel like I can say with uh, confidence that there is a difference between those who kind of know the ropes of the inside of an agency versus the one who are, um, who, do- who doesn't. Now, there is no evaluation between those because sometimes you purely need an artist, someone who's honed who's their own craft and like they have their own brand and you need that specific flavor or skill or whatever it might be. Um, and then sometimes you just need someone who can kind of plug into a team and who understands the cycles of, of the creative projects or, or just the politics of things. <laughs> like it's, it's, there's quite a lot when you put, say, 10 people together for a, a quite expensive project. There is a lot of risk and there is a lot of pressure to kind of make that work and, and you need to choose wisely. And I mean, my teaching, so I've taught quite a lot at Hyper Island after graduating or at Bayer School of Communication and different universities and so on about different topics. But um, there's always this kind of cl- cluelessness, sounds very negative, but you can really feel the, there's so many blanks that haven't been filled in. And by the questions you receive, there's so much insecurity in regards to, you, you, you can listen to as many podcasts you want about how it is to be employed somewhere or how it is to be in a full cycle of a creative project or how it is when shit hits the fan. <laughs> but if you haven't been there, it's still a little bit of guesswork because you're kind of using other people's puzzle pieces to put your own um, tapestry together. I don't know why you would use puzzles to put a tapestry together, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, So really having that like embodied experience, I think for us at least, has been really good as we're embarking on this new chapter. Um, And maybe we should mention that a little bit. I think a good thing to know about us is that we run a company together and we do this podcast together now. Um, But we're also a married couple, which I think is also a different, like it's another angle of why I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics within the topics that we talk about because our individual creativities kind of feed into each other and we we stand and fall together as well.
0: Yes, and I think that that journey as to how we got here Mm -hmm. is equally important because, you know, when we met, um, we didn't live in the same country and... I think part of your journey, or a really important part of your journey, is is moving to another country to to the UK, and just yeah, leaving behind that um, really well established and renowned agency that you worked at uh, to come here and do your own thing.
1: Yeah, and also the renowned crew, my community, <laughs> my family—that's the, the the biggest loss. I really. Um, yeah, I'm in a process of not reinventing myself per se, because one of the things that I've learned now as we kind of closed the last year, you and I had a bit of reflection and one of the, one of the key findings was that like, oh, I'm exactly the same person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just because you move country and context doesn't mean that your thoughts magically becomes something else, which I mean, is a great thing, um, because it just means that the relationship to yourself just gets stronger because no one else is there to reflect who you are. So I think that's something that's definitely been um, a big leap for me last year. Like I, I didn't at, at all, I didn't plan on moving anywhere. But then I met you and it was just a no-brainer. There is a lot in that. Um, of, yeah, staring yourself in the mirror really like, okay, if no one knows you, who are you then? Um, so a deepening experience of knowing myself um, and building that up. Uh, but on a professional level, like I didn't anticipate, so I I, I went from full-time employment, that was my, my habit, was like the money's coming in, I have a stable job, good pay, all good stuff, with a context, colleagues, belonging, all that, to just moving countries where I knew no one except for you. And... No one who I met knew my experience, like what I've done prior. I had to um, start all, all, all over again, and I, I that I didn't anticipate how how hard that was actually going to be. Hmm.
0: Yeah, because I think for me at least, when leaving, <clears throat> I obviously had you know called the the freelancer fear, the, the fear of just not getting any work or everything going south and um, whilst I had that it, it quickly became clear that you know your your sort of network goes beyond just people that you know there's like a whole world of people who know of you just by association with either the work you've done or places you've worked or just generally having done the things you've done within A country or a city. Mm. Um, which kind of connects the dots for people who you're meeting for the first time. But I think moving to a new country and new city as you did, there's none of that. So you're you you have all the experience on paper and people but people haven't um got anything to attach it to. Attach it to and to and to experience how brilliant you are, they will have to trust you and go with you on the journey and then in order to experience it and that i think is a really frustrating thing because yeah it just it takes patience because you've got to wait for them to to experience that um yeah. before whereas there's no sort of like foot in the door
1: yeah but also for me to experience that like i there was so much grit uh, do you say that grit uh, in terms of I needed to really stay focused on believing in myself because I went from a role that um, isn't the same as I have now. Even though I had done strategy for many years and and kind of been in this um, practice of just being that and giving that to yeah many clients and big clients, big names. Um, when I then stood on my own feet, I wasn't a part of a context anymore of... Um, I needed to take respons- full responsibility of the output of the work that I did. And there was just so much doubt in terms of that brilliance that you mentioned. I mean, it's it's hard enough for even to say that word about yourself ever, I feel. Um, but yeah, the the doubt that I had to overcome when I was taking those meetings or when I woke up and I was like, right, there's nothing in my pipeline. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? So to connect to... Not so much like the desired outcomes that, that you were supposed to have, but to find that inner relationship of remembering why you're doing this, what is it that you want to create and start by doing that. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much in that, that whole step, the leap that I took across the sea <laughs> mm. <laughs> that I think is uh, uh, extremely valuable. Like I'm so happy already now that we did this, made, made this decision and took the leap.
0: Yeah. I think it would be good to pick up on this idea that the real experience of something that you planned for Mm. differs from how it was when we were thinking of it because I think this is sort of ties to this idea of unfolding and how things are just constantly changing in ways that we can't predict and we often try to make predictions of the future and making plans for the future feels very good. But then the actual reality of those things ends up being something different, which then unfolds into something else. And I think that's something that we've experienced, I think, in that we planned, obviously, for this moment in our lives, we're both going to be doing this. And the reality of it in some ways has been as we expected, but in other ways, hasn't.
1: How has it been different?
0: I mean, I guess in your mind, you only think about the great things and you don't think about the everyday of... Um, Like reality as it's lived in every day, doesn't have the same allure as it does in your imagination.
1: Dopamine shimmer.
0: The dopamine shimmer. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But I mean, that sounds like I'm saying it's not not what we expected, and it is. And in many ways, it is completely what we expected. But um, yeah, I think that's a really. It's really interesting how things are never quite what you expect them to be, and you sort of have to just be. Willing to go with the changes of of life because the unexpected is always around the corner.
1: Mm. With the whole um, over planning and or not necessarily over planning, but just trying to take control versus just accepting um, kind of the circumstances and what is unfolding. I think it's really not an either or. I feel like people have a tendency to either try to take full control over something and and the need of like almost from an anxiety place of like it needs to be designed exactly how I want it and if it doesn't happen then there that's a failure or if I didn't get that job or if I didn't make this much money at this age it's it's like a little trap because we we constantly disappoint ourselves with not living up to those uh, expectations but at the same time not Planning is is not an option either because <clears throat> nothing would just happen. And there's, I think there's a middle way where you can have like this playful and quite um, joyous relationship with plannings and goals, where it's more just like a like a fun little treasure hunt or a, or a challenge or something, something to to figure out and the search for that which you have set out to uh, achieve. Um, is more of a a dance Uh, and that sounds very poetic and it's I think it actually ties back to what you were saying it's it reality doesn't feel like that but I think if we can always remind ourselves that like we're just here finding our way and we're engaging with what is unfolding so that we can at least um, play with the outcomes rather than just being kind of a passive victim or passenger of the circumstances
0: yeah the plan is always something to have to be in constant conversation with and not to be too attached to but i think something that's really helps us is this is the only thing that really gives you that really does give you a sense of like achievement and progress is is actual evidence mm. so when you've you've done the thing that you said you were going to do mm. and yes it in the in the day-to-day experience it doesn't it doesn't feel like like we said the kind of dopamine drenched sort of dream of it yeah but yet the evidence of like okay we're doing this like Mm. this has happened and these things that i experienced in reality that we planned for happened Mm. that gives it's it's own it's its own sort of form of contentment of like yeah aligning what you say you're going to do and actually what you do
1: yeah you've made it tangible from idea to something actual like physical or something you can look at
0: or um i mean i think we've said to each other so many times like we're doing this we're yeah. actually doing this <laughs> yeah and it's and it's funny because at the time
1: that should be our slogan if nike is just do it we're,
0: ours is like we're doing, <laughs> doing it <laughs> this. but it's interesting how like yeah you don't automatically congratulate yourself yeah for those things
1: yeah i think it was interesting because i am um, quit my job and did the kind of leap I don't know what was it six months before you obviously because I had to kind of move country and we had to do some like financial planning in terms of like what if I don't find a job what if I don't make any money we needed to have a little bit of stability in me moving moving countries but what I think was interesting is um when i've kind of been through that process for a few months and then it was time for you i could l- literally see going into the to the weeks closing up to your final day and then the days and weeks afterwards and like the process of thoughts feelings and really like the journey up and down of um it's a it's a confusing stage but it's also really really fun one of my favorite um sayings is that anxiety is just excitement without the breath and I think that was like the perfect example because it's also not just an it's not like you're cliff jumping and you need to you have anxiety about that moment and then it's going to pass um shifting your career or making bigger changes it's like it's a long game so you really need to keep your your mind in check because if you don't have, like, the guardrails up of, like, remember why you're doing this, re- focus on what you've set out to do, um, it's easy to just, yeah, drift off track, specifically when uh, dreads and anxiety and, and, like, doubt of yourself and your capacity comes. Mm. This is interesting, though, because looking around... Um, in uh, in just our industry or like, I don't know, influencers or like some people are just hitting it. They, <laughs> they don't seem to have any sort of like limitations on their experience. Like from a young age, they just like, and now I'm going to do this and now I'm going to do that. And I remember us um talking about that actually in this process of like, if they can do it, we can too. Like we, we should mm. be able to do it. But I think maybe it's just a personality thing or a background of where we come from, like our, our uh, families and, yeah, I don't know, education and mindset and all those things uh, have made us people who are like, I think pretty good at, at fitting in and serving others while it feels a little bit more scary to kind of stand completely on your own legs. Um, but we could also feel that it was time.
0: Yeah, I think with those things it's... Um... A muscle that's trained, isn't it? And I think people who do that from a young age, they have that fearlessness that they can just pick up anything and do it. Whereas at least for me, I was more sort of on the thing of like, oh, I've got to have a stable income, get a good yeah. job. I think it comes back to what we said in the introduction where yeah, there is no like right or wrong way and it's a very and it's a it's a very good thing to be employed in a job that you feel like is in any job really Mm -hmm. and i think you can use employment you know say it's a job that you you don't like that can then be a really good wayfinder to what it is that you do like and if it's a job that you do like then i don't know i just think that restriction in terms of what employment gives you without having to worry about paying the bills or whatever
1: Mm. i also think though that having a job that you don't like can actually be quite damaging because if you're not passionate about what you're doing and you feel kind of semi-depressed every day going in, the chances of you feeling very um, creative isn't very high. Uh, And perhaps it's going to put you in a state of like, oh, you're actually not good enough. Like, I think I actually had that a little bit. Not that my workplace was amazing, but I was like in the wrong role in a way where I was um, in the beginning just a project manager and then... um, what do you say, when you got yeah, promoted to um, account direction, which is just more fancy, fancy word for it, but like having the uh, overall responsibility for a shit ton of things. Um, but then as the years moved on, I was working more and more and more with strategy, but I was never a strategist. So it was always this back and forth in terms of like, am I not a strategist because I'm not good at it? Or is it because I'm not allowed to or is it that it's just like the organization can't fit that kind of like transition to something else. Um, and luckily, like I, I really want to give a shout out to, um, well, to Freddie mostly, who's the, the founder of Snusk, because even though it was never the right time to give me that role description, he was the one who was kind of telling me like, girl, <laughs> your brain is strategic, you need to do this. And with him giving me the chances to really take a lot of responsibility in in working with clients and them seeing who I was and them little by little kind of like seeking my um, advice and so on, that gave me the the, um, like inclination of like, oh, this is something I should explore. But I do think having the wrong role in that company also made me think for a really long time that I was just not good enough to make that leap. Um, And now I just, I I quit that job and I went like, everyone's going to think I'm like, I'm I'm not this for real. And how am I going to do this? And then it's just got, you know, all of a sudden I'm a strategist. People I work with even call me a senior strategist. And I'm like, whoa, okay, that's a new, that's a new um, promotion. But it's, uh, yeah, you have to be careful not to let your workplace kind of define your ambitions and idea of who you are and what you're capable of, because we're capable within a certain set of rules when it comes to companies.
0: Yeah. I guess it becomes a sort of chicken and egg thing because, you know, without that experience, would you have the same approach? You know, say you had been given opportunities to climb a sort of strategy career ladder. Mm -mm. I don't know that it would have resulted in the same you know maybe maybe something about it being an external thing would mean you'd less you'd be less um you know maybe there was something in that like the conflict of not of knowing what you are but not being given the recognition yeah fed in something that was yeah that was valuable
1: yeah no i d- i definitely think you're on something there because even now when i work with um Uh, clients I kind of very openly tell them like this is where I come from this is how I think about strategy like I think the um, that process has made me very it's very little about my um, title I really don't care about that at all I just want to solve the problem and with being so upfront about that and just being like hey what you get with me is me like you get my brain I don't care about what title you want to put on it um, gives me so much more freedom to just like suggest things and probe things and 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 in a much more authentic way, get to the core of things instead of like, hi, I'm this uh, that's and that's why I'm gonna do this to you or for you. Um, here's the structure, here's the process where th- there's more freedom and flexibility with that. so, um i think everything happened just as it was supposed to really <laughs> but that's also just a mindset you could you could definitely tell that story in in more somber ways but
0: um mm. yeah that makes me think a lot about how yeah i think in any collaboration people are looking for people it's not you know when you start out you think particularly if you have a craft like you're a designer or you're a composer or you're what it's thing you you really obsess about of that about that thing inside that world but in reality people are just looking for people who they want to make something good with Mm. and you know a film is a good example because it takes so many people to make a film good
1: yeah
0: and i think people are generally looking for People who also want to make a film good as the sort of that's the primary role it's not and you just happen to be doing the music or you happen to be doing the editing or whatever it is, but yeah, it's kind of the the outcome is the primary concern mm. and then your contribution to it is just something that it just happens to be the case that those are the skills that you have, which is what you're offering to it mm. but it's um yeah i guess we we and because everything you know in order for the world to make sense everyone has to have titles and external sort of like signals of this is Mm -hmm. what i do yeah but that can quite often it sort of boxes you in because you think that that sort of defines you when really in any collaboration people are just looking for kindred spirits to make something with
1: yeah
0: and it can take so many different you know forms and different every every single collaboration is has a slightly different hue should we say and um
1: Mm. i
0: think that was always what what i've taken the most from and i think the more time i can spend doing that i feel um yeah and it's like you kind of go away for a while you think about it you offer something up someone adds in something else And then you, you know, tailor it a bit more and then you think, you know, just that ongoing dialogue as to how to make something as good as it can be. It's always been my kind of main motivation.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's been my main motivation. I find it quite hard um, to collaborate in the role that I have now or like the the work that I do. Um, I think it just requires so much deep thinking and it's very difficult then to uh, kind of take in ideas for others, because then it tends to just become word salads. Like there is, and maybe it's because of my experience as um, project manager and, and kind of like quality assurance of a, uh, an account director. It just gives me a little bit of um, anxiety thinking about like, oh, the joy of collaborating, because um, I think in the, the roles I've had prior has been so much of like being the scapegoat if something goes wrong, (laughs) but then if something goes right, you had nothing to do with it. (laughs) So I think, I think I'm finding my way back there, um, to maybe, um, yeah, having a bit more of a healthy relationship in terms of collaborating, especially with you. Like, it's such a joy to do it. Like we can get high doing it on nothing else, but like, excitement um and also with my friends and like I, I know that the power of collaborating is very strong in other areas of my life whereas in work it's always kind of been this slightly anxious state um but i think that's probably due to just the the mm. setup and experience the of that the, the flavor yeah. of that particular experience yeah
0: yeah and i do think there are you know you're saying when you're writing strategy it requires such deep thinking that collaboration in that way is not um couldn't work but then it's not like i would sit with someone and we'd be you know sitting at the piano and choosing notes together (laughs) it's it's very much similar and i guess there is different um there's obviously differences in that you might need to go away for a, a longer time to to um to come up with you know to to go into the deep thinking required, mm. by I sort of mean collaboration more that everyone is kind of bringing their skill to the table. So in this case, you know, for me, it would be um, putting the music together and or putting the sound together. But um, but within that, you know, you, when you collaborate with someone, you can interact with someone who doesn't who doesn't know any of the kind of ins and outs of the stuff that you do so then that there there's a really fresh perspective i mean i always enjoy with what i do um looking at how an editor has used sound in there in the video before it comes because editors well some editors are very very good at sound but on the most part their primary it's role okay. it's okay to say <laughs> but it is yeah their, their primary role is a video editor so they're they're approaching sound or music from a very different place where they're they're purely focused on the visual and they're not interested in any of the technical side or any of the sonics necessarily although there is they will be choosing sounds based on yeah it's just pure what they perceive as the story or the intention without any of the other you know, production thing value that um, that we have to get uh, get getting deep in the deep in the weeds of. Mm. Um, so I think that's an example of like it's a really f- nice. It's nice to collaborate with people who are interacting with the craft yeah. from a perspective that's totally different to your own.
1: Yeah, but now, like when you say it like that, then just. Um, thinking about it from a slightly different perspective, I think I collaborate all the time. Just if, if I work now as a freelancer, for example, towards a client by myself, we kind of form a team. So there is a collaboration because without the client and their knowledge and their insights and desires, or wherever they want to go with their brand, um, there wouldn't be any work for me to do. And before ever starting, any sort of writing or any sort of conclusion work. There's so much offloading of that information, and really a dialogue. Like I, I question things a lot because I think that that's when you get to, to the core of things. So it's workshops or it's just one-on-one interviews, like uh, qu- qualitative interviews. Or if it's um, yeah, knowledge sessions or just a conversation um, to kind of li- really dig a little deeper to get to what they are. And then my task is just to translate that. But that is a collaborative process because also after that, I do my deep thinking, present it, and then of course, feedback. Um, however, like I think in, in general, I guess it's just what it's not necessarily what feels to me it has to be the, what's right for them. Um, but I also don't think that like if you don't manage to hit the right spot in the first strategy presentation, I don't know what's going on then It's usually it usually shouldn't be any feedback because then you um, you you're off the mark and haven't either listened or you're you have too much of a your own agenda or whatever it might be. Uh, but then of course there's always like the the here and there wordings of like, this feels more right, or we just don't... I have a tendency to make things a little bit too poetic and they want it to be more... Everyone needs to understand this. <laughs> everyone in the company. And then it's like a process of dumbing it down whilst keeping the core core the same. But a collaboration nonetheless, for sure. And then there's the handover to the visuals, uh, no, the, the visual creatives, so a designer or whoever is going to take this out into some sort of expression.
0: Mm. It's very high stakes, but I mean, I guess all. Yeah, that's the same with um, for me. In that, if you don't, it's always the most nerve-wracking thing when you send something for the first time, because then, if you haven't, if you don't hook them in or you miss the mark on the first one, mm. then it's very hard then to to regain the trust that you're going to get it. Um, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle then.
1: Yeah but that's definitely harder in your industry or the in the process of the you work because ultimately like music and sound is so sub um, what do you say subjective subjective yeah um so i think that has more it's more as it's, it's an open goal for criticism <laughs> in many ways
0: yeah i think it's um i think with a lot of these things there it's kind of a constant conversation internally and i think you can always feel when your boundaries are being um compromised Mm. because the the process just get and it's not just when it just gets a bit annoying and there's you know notes generally also come with internal dialogue because as soon as you have any degree of feedback um there is a conversation with yourself that you you get better and better at Mm. Which is that people are not <laughs> people are not just putting throwing notes at you to make your life uh, worse, but yet your body reacts in this way sometimes. And I think part of maturing as a creative is that you learn how to just just deal with that, and that's fine. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, because feedback or notes in itself, it, it doesn't have to be like a negative thing. I'm not saying I'm against feedback uh, or. Like I love when smart people receive what I do, let it land in them, and then have a think of of how to kind of feed back yeah, feedback into it to make it better. But you can kind of sense when you've done this for a long time when when there's kind of like, Oh, just just get that this isn't what I wanted, or you know, when it's not specific, when it's not adding. Yeah, I think that's when it loses the collaborative essence. Because people are just feeding back like this doesn't work or uh, I want it to pop <laughs> or can you make it bold uh, instead of, of-
0: yeah, you're sort of building the tower mm. and instead of and say it's you know there's there's something that's not quite right. Instead of kind of putting a, putting a brick in a, suggesting a brick go in a slightly different direction, they're just like jamming the bricks out of the bottom. Just like and trying to make the whole thing tumble down.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the problem because sometimes you also have to de- decipher like who is giving the feedback, and in a very gentle way, in a very compassionate and understanding way. But for me, I tend to work directly with founders or CEOs or you know whoever is running running the show of this company of different sizes. Like it could be a couple of hundred employees, it could be just a really small startup with, you know, a lot of ambition. Um, but the fact is they, they're they good at running a company or they're good at this specific thing that they like in tech or if it's in innovation or if it's uh, in products or whatever venture they have. And they hire creatives because they have a different perspective on what kind of functions in our world and what reaches out and what cuts through and all these things. And I can sense a lot of the time when when these business people feedback something that they don't understand the thinking behind. So they can show references, for example, Nike, and they show references of the Nike swoosh, or they show references of the tagline "Just Do It," or they do um, show visual references from from a brand who's really found like their their own expression and they've pumped millions into creating this position. So you, yes, you can have references for things, but they don't show a reference for like, oh, we really like the angle of the swoosh. That's not the thing. It's like, we kind of want to do what Nike did. <laughs> that Can you bring us there? And it's like, I mean, yeah, do you, is that where, can you go there? Or are you willing to take the the steps that it takes to kind of, Um, yeah take that position over and over and over again not just talking about like the uh, the financial efforts it takes but also listening to creatives like letting the creatives do what you right now kind of don't want to let go of Um, but then of course it can be people who really have good feedback and I mean I love I love working with them relationships are just so important I don't usually take on work if it, if I don't feel like we listen to each other and have kind of an understanding of the values um that we want to work under I just don't do it either so and I think that's that ties back to what you were saying like people knowing you for what you've done but also knowing you for who you are that's a really it's a bank that you have, and the more you can show up and be like, I am committed, like I'm gonna do this. they're more likely to speak well of you to someone else who said like you do you want to transform <laughs> the way you think and the way you work well go go speak to her, um, but if you just want someone to kind of push it out, then go speak to someone else,
0: yeah, so I think it would be good at this point to speak a little bit about what the framework for this podcast and part of that as i said in the introduction is this sort of creative piece that we are going to put into each episode which is a bit of a sort of anchor point for some of the topics that we're talking about i guess this podcast was more introducing ourselves and um but it all came under this theme of unfold and unfold is a poem which you wrote some time ago i believe Mm. and we've turned that into a piece of creativity that we've made together um so perhaps you want to talk about the poem
1: yeah yeah what to say i mean we chose it as the first episode because we're at a state like the year is unfolding and our journey as creatives is unfolding and in kind of this the start of this podcast is a, is an unfolding in in itself. And when I have to make sense of the world, or if there's a conundrum that I need to figure out, I, I tend to process that through writing. So unfold came in a period of time where I had done some quite deep, like work on myself. And I was in this in between of shedding kind of the past of what was and leaping into what was becoming um so yeah i thought it was suitable for this uh, as we embark on 2024 and this this journey what is unfolding and a moment for you to just integrate kind of what we've been talking about and uh, yeah i hope you enjoy it it feels a bit scary i haven't shared my poems publicly ever before I fold, unfold, I fold again, drawn and made, stretched and baked, fold, unfold, massage and pound. I form and deform, take shape and deflate from a mold that is unique just for me. What a lucky girl I am to be, for it's only me, the set, made from the same ingredients since the dawn of time, a mix of sweat and blood in a body given by the divine, a piece of origami made out of stardust with a beating heart, made to endure immense pain already from the start. The pain of being one with all, but separated by birth. I seek solitude, but I long to be one. Being together and apart all at once. Yes, I am parted, yet I yearn to be apart. Grasping after something to hold on to. Only to realize that letting go is the only way to reach that which is beyond you. I fold, unfold, then I choose to hold my breath for a second to remember that the quiet still place within is as vast as the ocean and my breath is wind. I set sails and I breathe out. I go on a journey across seas of hope and doubt. I might survive or I might drown. In the words so profound, I want to make sense, make me clear, not thick and dense. I want to be light, bright, I want to be beautiful, and I might find my way to the truth. The truth beyond the horizon I am yet to find, but I take a chance and take the journey through the body and into the mind. For the ones who dare to seek shall discover what it is to be both the child and the Holy Mother. I fold, unfold, I fold again. There, the all-seeing eye of the beholder, just as I am. A piece of origami made out of stardust with a beating heart. And this right here is where we start. What will unfold as I fold again? The origami of a girl just like you, but only as I am.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of The Dragon and the Stoic, the podcast where we discuss the creative industry, a life of freelance, and artistic expression. The next episode will be released in a month. We hope you tune in again. Until then, take care and nurture the courage to create.